He's Jonathan. He's Timothy. And this is Project 1517. Scripture, theology, life. So that's yeah. the fish. That's the fish mm-hmm. here in Jonah chapter two. That's the, the fish sick here in fish. Jonah chapter two. Yeah. And and with that, we should move on to our third character in Jonah chapter two, and that's our good friend Jonah. Now I oh, think we Jonah. Should, I think <laughs> I think we're gonna give we're gonna oh Jonah we're gonna give Jonah some credit. We're gonna we're gonna try to give him some credit, um, and then we're gonna notice some other things about him. And I want I want to just set up this this discussion on Jonah by remembering re- remembering some things about Jonah in particular. And we have to remember that Jonah here is a piece of satire. He is what we don't want to be. So if we remember back to chapter one of Jonah, uh, we're going to remember that. Uh, the pagans are better prayers than Jonah. The lots are better prophets than Jonah. Uh, the wind and the waves, the boat, the pagan, and even even the fish here are all obeying the Lord, but Jonah isn't. And now we got a fish who's frankly a little nauseous because of what's going on inside of him. And so that's what we have to be looking at here. We we can't say yeah. all glowing things. I I know like one one re- highly respected commentator says that this is completely a model prayer. I'm not so sure about that. There's some good well, things about it and some some really troubling things about well, it too. Well, let me let me push back on that thought a little bit, Jonathan. In other circumstances, I think this would be a model prayer. I really do like this is beautiful. This this comes straight from the Word of God, and um, it's it's totally appropriate, ex- unless you're in the belly of a fish, because of your own rebellion, then it's not appropriate. Many of the things that he says, yeah. like you have to consider the circumstances, and Jonah is here um, because of his own sin. Yeah. And it is, I mean, let's give him some credit. There's some beautiful things here uh, as we, we're going to get into the psalm now that we have here in Jonah chapter 2. There's some beautiful things. You can tell that this is a guy who went to church. He knew his psalms. He knew his liturgies that they would have been saying together. Um, there are so many different allusions to the psalms in the Bible that it's kind of ridiculous. Like we can't even get through all of them. Um, sometimes he's directly quoting, but this is definitely a man of the book. He knows his hymnal. He knows his biblical hymnal. And it's really powerful, beautiful stuff. Yeah, and he doesn't even need his Bible open to to pray this way. That's one of the amazing things. It's not like he had a light that he could just switch on when he's in the belly of the of the giant fish. You know, he's he's praying this because he knows the word. This and is I, why. I think... That's one thing we can say that's positive about Jonah is like he, the word lived in his heart and he's, and he's just praying this. Yeah. Beautiful. He's just praying. He's praying what he learned in church. He's praying what his mama taught him. And it's incredible stuff. It's good reasons why we have liturgies in the church that come into your heart and stay in your mind. There's good reasons 
why we sing the hymns we do, so we can sing them when we're in trouble, so we can know them when we don't have a hymn book. So when we're in a in a hospital bed or uh, we're in a car crash and we just need some, we need a word from God, um, I kind of doubt that any of us is going to get stuck inside a whale, but this is another good example of <laughs> mm-hmm. praying when things are really rough in our lives. So you have Jonah uh, praying this this prayer, and there's some really beautiful things about it. Uh, let's look at the structure of it, Timothy. What can we say of the stru- about the structure of this prayer? Well, I mean, he's first thing he does is he points out like the situation that he's in. So, like verses, um, the English versification verses two, uh, verses one through three, like he's introducing and saying, "Lord, this is where I am. This is what happened to me. This is my distress." Um, and then he's he begins to um, petition. So, like verses four through seven. Um, and asking God and, and thanking God for his salvation. And then uh, in verses 8 and 9, he, he makes vows and he praises the Lord. And he makes uh, really a key statement there that salvation comes from the Lord, which is absolutely true. Salvation comes from the Lord. Really a beautiful thing that he says there. So you have him. He He's obviously been very thoughtful. He's obviously... Um, trying to be very spiritual here. But even as he does that, there's some really troubling features that, that kind of come out, um, some things that he misses uh, as he gets into this psalm. Like, for example, it, let, let's look at a little, uh, at, at these things a little bit closer. Um, what he does is he very subtly subverts the psalms. So, so, for example, um, he talks about himself more than he talks about his Lord. Yeah, he, he does. It's, it's almost satanic what he does. Like when, when uh, Satan quotes the Psalms to Jesus, he just leaves a little, little bit off of it to subvert it. That's what Jonah does. That's what Jonah does. And, and what you said is absolutely true. He... He talks about himself a whopping uh, 24 times. Yeah. You know it's, how many times very he talks about the Lord? He's very narcissistic. Yeah. Six, 16 times. So he talks, it's like, I, 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 me, 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 me. 24 times in this little short prayer. And the Lord only 16 times. And so it's, Jonah's the center stage here, not the Lord. Exactly, and you can see that not only in how he it's he he does exactly what John the Baptist didn't do. John the Baptist said, "I got to become less; the Lord's got to become more." He becomes more, and the Lord becomes less. And so you can see that not only how much he talks about himself, but also in how much he talks about the Lord, but also in the sense that he reverses word order. So, like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's um, subversive. It's subtle but it's can, really damaging. You can yeah. see this in verse two. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. But Psalm 120 actually has to the Lord, I called in my distress. So he, <laughs> yeah, he gets it's to the exactly Lord the only opposite. after he gets to himself. Right. right. And then, look, we, 
I, I, I'm, I can't be certain about this, but if you move on to verse 3 then, um, he says, you hurled me into the depths of the sea. You hurled me into the depths of the sea, which, uh, like, okay, you can understand that in a good way. Like, okay, That's Lord, true, yeah. The yeah, Lord did, you know, you, he did that. You're sovereign. You're sovereign. The question, he did that. So the question is, why is Jonah saying that? So, so for example, when I get myself in trouble, probably what I'm not going to say to the Lord if I have a repentant heart is, Lord, <laughs> probably what I'm going to say is, Lord, I'm really sorry. I understand why I'm here. Um, and it, look, Jonah could be saying that. But he also, and with his track record, look, he doesn't have a good track record in this book. He's not going to have a good track record in this book. I don't think it would be wrong for us to see him here saying, you know, subtly blaming the Lord, you know, like you're the one who put me here. Um, I know that's a really negative interpretation, but it's that you have to at least float it out there. What is Jonah doing here? Is he actually well, sorry for what he's done or not? There, Jonah never repents in this whole book. Not that we he can never, tell. not verbally. You know, he never. It, it's strange if you ask me, like, what would be the most appropriate psalm? For this for this situation psalm 32 psalm 51 maybe that you know yeah. a penitential psalm right not jonah i mean he's not going into that well even though he knows full well why he's there and so like this prayer actually leaves a lot of questions a tremendous amount of questions like is jonah sorry is he repentant can he see his own sin here we don't know. Jonah never says that he sinned. He does. What we can admit is, again, as you comb through it, he's got some beautiful pictures here. And for him, what's really interesting about it is when he talks about waves and breakers sweeping over me, it's not only a metaphor for what's happening to him spiritually, it's also his reality. So in the Psalms, a lot of times it's a metaphor for really bad life circumstances. Your life is like a sea. It's tumultuous. It's too powerful for you. But in this case for Jonah, it's actually his, it's both. It's really both. The other thing that yeah. you can see in the Psalm and commentators have noticed this is that Jonah does a beautiful job of showing us his experience. He gets lower, he gets lower, he gets lower, he gets lower. Don't you see that progression in the Psalm? a really digression in the psalm. Oh, yeah. So you have him, he, the, first of all, you, you got ocean currents getting him, and then you got waves and breakers getting him, so he's going lower there. Then you have the deep surrounding him. Then you have seaweed getting, so you, seaweed, you know, he's really down there. He's at the bottom, wrapping around his head. And then you're finally, he's at the roots of the mountains. He says, he sank all the way down to where the earth beneath barred me in forever, which is really uh, a, a really poetic way of talking about Sha'ol. He's all the way down. All the way down. Yeah. And and he, he never takes responsibility for the way that, um, for the fact that he brought himself there. Uh, he even, it's, it's really stunning, um, verses 8 and 9, he yeah. even compares himself favorably to the pagan sailors. He says, 
Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. So like he's he's comparing himself to others and saying, wow, I, I did a really good job here. At least I'm not an idolater. And, and the whole thing is, is what he's talking about there is going to Jerusalem, the opposite way of, of Nineveh. Um, he's talking about going to make uh, sacrifices back at the temple. Um, he's trying to get back home again, not to Nineveh. And the Lord says, what, what I would rather have than your sacrifices is your obedience. So there's, there's a lot of problematic features about this prayer that um, I think if we, if we think about it, uh, we can see why the fish got so nauseous. Yeah, yeah, right. It, the Lord doesn't want him off in Jerusalem. He wants him in Nineveh. And this, this, right. whole, this whole thing, like in, I, I agree with you, verses 8 and 9 might be the most troubling feature of the prayer because uh, very obviously in Jonah chapter 1, the pagans were doing it, you know, they end up doing it right. Yeah. They, they end up doing it <laughs> They're right. They're better than like, Jonah. <laughs> he's, he's, like, he's like, I'm better than those guys. Really, Jonah? Yeah. Are, are, are you serious, Jonah? And so you, you can see in his heart, and again, I, I mentioned this might be the most troubling feature of, of the psalm here to me. He, in a way, he is trying to bargain with God. He's trying to say, Lord, look at my performance here. Look at what I'm going to come and do for you. Get me out of this fish. And he's hoping a high heaven. He, he's hoping a high heaven, Lord. I want to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to do it. And he's hoping the Lord's not going to make him go to Nineveh. <laughs> That's right. And he never says, you know, Lord, I'm really sorry. I'll go to Nineveh. I, I, really, I really should get out of here. And, and what's, what, what I think is also important to notice I, I, is, is timing this event. Timing, timing, timing in this event. I keep asking myself, Jonah. What took you so long? Seriously. Because, look, maybe, look, my heart's just as bad as Jonas's. I I can't claim it. But as I try to get my mind around this thing, like here in South, we have beautiful days in South Carolina. Like when it's not sunny here, we don't know what to do with ourselves. It's rainy today, and I'm going, (laughs) you know. But Jonah's Jonah's in, in a fish. There's no light. Uh, I, I don't know. How is he sleeping? How is he eating? Um, finally, three days later, he's like, all right, I guess I'll say something to God. <laughs> and then when he does yeah. say something, it's not. Um, look, there's some things we can praise about it, but there's also some really troubling features about it. So, Jonah, what were you doing the whole time? Why does it take you so long? And then one, when you do speak up, Jonah, it seems an awful lot like you're saying to God, God, get me out of here. I'll be good if you get me out. But he doesn't want to be good in which the way he was called to be good. Yeah. Well, and I think I think this is what we have to say about it, because the narrator, you know, the Holy Spirit who gave us the sword didn't give us this word just to criticize Jonah. I think he wants us to see how we can deceive ourselves and and kind of start to think, you know, um, I'm pretty good, you know. 
I'm in church. I'm praising the Lord. I'm saying psalms and stuff like that. I'm praying. And um, even when we're at our most pious moments, you know, even when we are doing what we think is good and right and fitting and, and all of these different things, uh, we're still not seeing ourselves rightly unless we understand the, the place of sin that we're coming from. Repent, like our re repentance is shallow, like Jonas. Our words are often empty, and we often don't understand the depths of our sin. We, I think, I think that's think one of the things we have to uh, understand about this. We have hearts that that should know better, and yet we still try to make bargains with God. Like, Lord, if I do this for you, I'll be good. Lord, you know, <laughs> I'll be good, and then you'll be good to me, right? Is that how it works, God? Yeah. Is that really how it works, God? And there's no answer to his prayer at this point. There's no answer to his prayer. And I think, I, I there's look, there's a confession that's really close to my heart. I know it's really close to your heart. But I think what we can see here um, is that when we come to God, we can't do it on the basis of, hey, um, I'll make this vow, I'll make it good, or on the basis of, hey, I'm better than those idolaters over there, or, or anything like that. The only basis upon which we can come to our God is on the basis of his heart, on the basis of his mercy that finally we find in Jesus Christ. And I, I just want to read this to our, to our listeners, because I think it's a beautiful, beautiful confession of that. This is my confession. Timothy, I know it's your confession. It comes from the, uh, the apology or the defense of the Augsburg Confession, where it says this, Every confidence is futile except a confidence in mercy. Mercy preserves us. Our own merits and our own effort do not preserve us. And so this is a great time for us when we know our motives aren't quite right, when we know our prayers come from mixed places, the reason why they become acceptable to God in any way, shape, or form when our repentance is shallow, etc., is because our God is a God of mercy. Yeah, that's beautiful. Before we move on and talk about um, Jesus and the connection with this chapter, I just got to say this. we For anyone who's a parent out there that's listening, um, be careful about reading uh children's Bible storybooks about Jonah, because what most of them do, they will actually say, one of them said Jonah made a vow um, to make it, it right with God, and then God had Jonah spit up from the well. And that's just not right. It's just not right. It's, um, it's, 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 it doesn't tell the story correctly, and it's just really bad theology, actually. The one thing I want to leave on a high note from Jonah because he's definitely like us. He's He's got sin in him. He's got faith in him. But he ends like this, a beautiful statement of faith. He says, I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And so he just finally he nails it. You know, he knows yeah. that the only way he's getting out of Shaol is in Hebrew, it's it's really just two quick words, right? Yeshuata, Ladonai, which means you can hear Joshua in that just a little bit, but it's Yeshuata, Ladonai, salvation comes from the Lord. And we can talk, talk a little bit more about that. Can you hear the word Jesus in that too? The Jesus of the New Testament? 
I'm I'm so glad that that we can. <laughs> I, it, you know, we're all such Jonas, and yet, what Jesus says uh, to us is that um, He's that a greater uh, one, greater than Jonah will come. That's that's the promise of the New Testament. That's the comparison that we make. And I and I know that sounds strange uh, to think about. Um, because we've been so sort of down on Jonah, but we have to remind uh, ourselves that that Jonah saved everyone who he came into contact with. I, I think we should we should point That's that true. out. To everyone who Jonah runs, runs into, he saves. It's a <laughs> it's a universal objective um, salvation by his uh, you know lacking life. Uh, but he he saves everybody that he comes into contact with. Uh, the other thing that we can say about Jonah is that he survived. Uh, well, he died and he came back to life again. He went Ooh. down to Sheol and he came back to life again. And 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 so when Jesus comes along and says, "There's one greater coming along than Jonah." I think we got to sit up and say, well, what do you mean? Because Jonah was actually pretty awesome. That's the greatest. He went to Shoal and came back. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> What's yeah. greater and, than that? And if we want to stay in the same word horde with the vomit and stuff, I mean, we could say that Jesus made death gravely ill. You know, no, he... <laughs> and that's what makes him greater, right? He didn't. Yeah. He didn't just make death nauseous in the sense like the tomb spit him up, you know. Yeah. But he actually murdered death. D- yes. He, and he I was wouldn't... so. He made death so sick, so gravely ill that death couldn't survive. <laughs> and he knew he was going to do it. He knew he was going to do it. Jonah, in stark contrast, that Jonah. This happens to Jonah, right? It happens to him. The Lord orchestrates it. The Lord appoints it. But in stark contrast to that, Jesus knows it's going to happen. Look, I'm going to I'm going to read to you from Matthew chapter 12 because this is where we get Jesus explaining how this all relates. Um, and I'm going to start reading in verse 39. By the way, if the, our listeners haven't picked up, we're on to our fourth character right now. We already segued from Jonah. <laughs> they're, John, to Jesus. they're saying finally, <laughs> finally, finally they got. You guys been talking forever about this. <laughs> but, but but this is what this is what Jesus says there. He says, "A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish." so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. There it is. He's going to go to Sheol. He's going to go to the heart of the earth. Yeah. And then he's He's going going to come up. So what is the sign of Jonah? That is the question. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think a lot of times we'll say, well, Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, but it's more than that. That's definitely part of the sign of Jonah. But that's really a theology of glory. Like Jesus is going to show everyone through his glory that um, he is true God and that he is um, something that people should listen to. Really, um, the when it, it starts with the suffering and death. 
that is the sign of Jonah. The sign goes, of Jonah is that he goes down. He goes down to Sheol for us. Well, it's beautiful. You, That's the theology about, of the cross right there. Think about Jesus' life. We, uh, we're both so excited about this. We're talking over each other. I don't want to do that. Yeah. Too. Well, I, I just think, you know, it's just so beautiful that God would hide himself in suffering like that for the sin of the world. Like he, he's saying, I want you to see who I am. I, I'm going to prove to you my love. I, I'm going to sh- give you a sign that you will not be able to deny that I am God. And and what he gives is his cross. Yeah. Imagine that, you know, like what he gives is his cross. And he says, uh, that's how you can know. Look, this exactly this. We have to think of, of how Jesus came down, 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 down. He goes his whole life, his whole life until finally the Lord begins to raise him up again is down, down, down. First of all, we, we can understand uh, our lives in terms of a tumultuous sea. Scripture often, I mean, we already talked about that. Uh, all of us are in a, a kind of storm in our lives. And the other thing we have to understand is that our lives, they're so stormy that they don't end well. None of our lives end well here. And that's completely being euphemistic right now. And all, everybody knows what I'm talking about. We don't end well here. We're in a storm right now. And eventually we're going down. And what Jesus did is he was not in a storm. He was in a perfectly calm, perfectly controlled, beautiful environment. And he said, I'm, I'm going down into that storm. Father, throw me in. And down, down he comes. Down he comes into the womb of a virgin. Uh, down he comes into our not-so-glorious mess. You know, he's born into hay. He's born into a, in an assassination attempt right away uh, from Herod. He's born into all of that murderous, stormy stuff. And then uh, he lives for us. And But he's not done yet. Still down he goes. Down he goes. He, he yeah. ends up being hung, thrown into the, the storm of God's wrath on the cross. He suffers, uh, he suffers Sheol there for us, all of the storm of hell. And down, down he goes. He's finally buried, right? I mean, and we're just, this is just creedal stuff. It's this just creedal is, stuff. And, and yet this is the sign of Jonah. This is, this is a huge idea in the New Testament, the sign of Jonah, that you want to you wanna know uh, who God is for you. You want to know his love for you. Watch what he does. This is the sign of Jonah. Three days, three nights. And then experience the victory. You know, know the victory that, that he rose again. He rose this, again. This is it. This is the key to the whole thing. And he's it's greater than Jonah in the sense that Jonah gets spit up, and I don't think he was a pretty picture. You know, we yeah. can't imagine that it was pretty. He had to go take a shower. But Jesus, he's greater because his salvation is beautiful. We're going to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ in resurrection glory. And uh, uh, look, uh, I want, we all have to take this home. We all have to take this home in our hearts. We all have to see this story what God has done here in the life of Jonah, we can identify with him. But more importantly, we need to identify with Jesus. 
we need to identify with him. And in our hearts, we can say with Jonah, Yeshuata, Ladonai, salvation comes from him. You know, we, we could say this. I mean, what, what does Jesus do for us? Uh, what does he do for us, those who are self-deceived, those who um, probably deserve to end up uh, on a beach somewhere covered in some not-so-nice stuff? You know, he takes us from—I'm going to say this in a sensational way because the narrator of the book of Jonah does. He takes us from vomit to banquet. Oh. That's what he does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He yeah, takes us right. all the way to banquet. He washes us clean. He gives us clothes to go to the wedding feast. Uh, and not because we've earned or deserved it. It's just, it, it, it be, it's because of the precious blood of Jesus. Mercy. And, and, and we can say this is most certainly true. Yeah. Mercy. So that's where we have to see ourselves. We left ourselves. We left Jonah going down into a, a deep, dark, tumultuous storm, we find ourselves spit up onto the shore of resurrection life, but not quite spit up because Jesus is greater than Jonah. We find ourselves totally washed clean in our baptisms. We find ourselves loved. Uh, we find ourselves, and uh, I think we're going to see, also sent. Ah, that's the sight way into the next chapter. <laughs> nice. We Well, I mean, that's the thing. Now we have to see, is God the God of second chances? Is he going to give Jonah another shot at this? Does he give third chances and fourth chances and fifth chances to uh, fulfill our callings? Let's see what happens. We are podcasting scripture one book of the Bible at a time. For more information, visit www.project1517.com or our Facebook page. We do invite you to support this ministry by sharing this podcast with family and friends and by giving us a good review on iTunes. You can also help with the costs of its production by giving a gift on our website. This is Project 1517. Scripture. Theology. Life. Life.